Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary on the anime and manga worlds. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is Rock. How are you, Rock? Hey, Kevin. Glad to be here kicking off 2023 in style. Yeah. Happy New Year, buddy. I'm glad to have you back. And this is going to be an exciting one because we're going to be talking about looking back actually at the year that was and talking mm-hmm. about our best of manga 2022. So we'll be doing an anime one in another episode. But today we're going to be focusing on just manga. We're not going to be doing a top 10 this year. We're going to be doing it a little bit different. We're going to have different characters categories kind of learning from what we did last year and kind of adapting it so that way we talk more about manga and the different creators as well and giving them all their flowers because over at the conquerrevolution.com website we did post all our best of like we did a bunch of top tens there where rock and i collaborated on there if you do want to check out the conquer revolution's official top 10 for like manga or comic books for anime we have it all there so but and here we're going to be doing it a little bit different so that way rock and i are going to have different picks on different things too so but before we get into all that i want to do some quick housekeeping to get that out of the way so we could start talking about all our selections is as always you, you can follow the manga revolution on any podcast service whether it's spotify google podcast apple podcast for me you could follow me on twitter tiktok and hive at the kevin Linus and on instagram at kevin l007 uh, rock where can we find you you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at rock with two k's revolution awesome rock well I know last year when it came to our best of manga, we did our top 10. This year, we're going to be doing a little bit different. We're going to be doing different categories. So today we're going to be doing best new manga, best discovered manga, best surprise manga, best manga writer, best manga artist, best protagonist, best antagonist, best manga story arc, and best overall manga. We're going to do a selection for each one. So Rock, let's start off with our best new manga that debuted in 2022, Rock. So Kevin, I've, I had to go outside the box here. I know I probably shouldn't do this, but I had to. And mainly because since we started really getting into manga over at the Comic Revolution, I've been mostly relying on Shonen Jump's app, right? It's the easiest it has it pushes out new chapters the fastest you know hey look if kadasha and some of the other competitors would come up with something similar i would support it too but they don't so all the I, i've been enjoying all the new manga that i've been reading on that app from shonen jump but let me tell you what kevin this year it was a swing and a miss every single new title that we got from shueisha on the shonen jump app they all were a swing and a miss. And we got quite a few this year. And I, I don't know what it is, Kevin. Not a single one of them uh, clicked with me. We reviewed some for the uh, on on this podcast. We, I know you reviewed some over on Comic Revolution. And, you know, whether it's Akane Banashi or Ginka in Gluna or Cypher Academy or Fabricant 100, it was just like just like you know just a just a slight miss for me nothing clicked which is very unusual so i went outside the box kevin and i'm picking a new manga that is not come to the u.s yet but it will be it will be so just give it a little bit of time i know it's coming here because it's by a mangaka who is very popular so i know it's going to be released in the states probably sometime in 2023 uh it's it's new i think it only has about two to three chapters right now that have been released it is called Versus, and it is by one. He does the story, which is, you know, it's one. So the story is exactly what you would expect from him. It's, it's great. And the art is done by Azuma Kiyotaru. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He is an awesome artist. 
it kind of reminds me a lot of how one punch where one teams up with a artist who has some real you know real talent to bring his story to life not that you know i i, I one's webtoons are fun and all but you know when you want like the big impactful art he goes yeah. elsewhere and teams up with someone this artist uh, that he's teamed up with versus you might know him from the king of fighters he did the art on that manga i don't know ken have you ever read the king of yeah azuma did the art for that he's he's really good it's a cool new manga it's it takes place in some alternate reality uh you got these uh, it's kind of like a like medieval you know sword and sorcery world and they're dealing with these demon kings that have taken over all of humankind and so they reach out to an alternate world that has humans and they're all sci-fi based like mech and everything sci-fi based for help but it turns around the mech humans were reaching out to the magic humans for help because in their world they've also been subjugated so it's it's this really it's a surprising twist um the art's great the story is really interesting the characters you know it's it's one so you know you're always going to have some funky kind of offbeat weird characters thrown in there right it's really neat manga i would expect it to be over here if that's not over here in 2023 kevin i'd be stunned and amazed given the names that are attached to the to the series yeah and that that's like interesting i actually haven't heard of it before so because i know one is one of those manga creators that kind of is more like a comic book writer too that he mm -hmm. is the writer for the series he did mob psycho 100's art but it the artwork didn't wasn't as good as like what you would expect right. from like one punch man right so i'm glad that he in terms of versus that he is teaming up with another artist instead of him doing it kind of like what, what he did with mob psycho where he did it all on his own so i'm glad just because that that was one thing i remember from i read mob psycho that threw me off because i was expecting like one punch man style or like the oh. animation from or, or the artwork from from the 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 series too <laughs> like the anime and i was very right. thrown off by like the style of his art and it, it was solid after you get used to it you do need to get right. used do one style of artwork it's not one of those art art styles where you're like you're instantly in yeah you do have yeah. to read like you have to be immersed in it and i'm but i'm glad that in terms of that stuff he is able to just focus on the writing because then he's still focused yeah. on writing one punch band because i think that his strength is definitely as a writer not as oh, yeah. an artist and just collaborating with someone else and he is one of the i think best at when collaborating with another artist completely agree this this suits his strengths a lot more because like you, I mean, I read his webtoons and it, it, it's, yeah, you really have to get used to the art you to get into it. But he, as a writer, though, I really love the characters that he comes up with, the worlds that he builds. So it suits him well when you pair him up with a really strong artist. Is he going away from what he's done with like One Punch Man and Mob, where he does kind of go with a similar style in terms of protagonists? Is he going outside of his wheelbox in terms of the protagonist for this series? Or is he is it still kind of the One Punch Man style, a Saitama character? Yeah, it's totally different so far. And again, it's only been two chapters, uh, but there are uh, out of the humans that we have on both mm -hmm. in both worlds, whether it's the sci-fi mecha world or the swords and sorcery world, there is no OP character. In okay. fact, all of our characters, all of our protagonists are very underpowered compared to the bad guys. So okay. no OP hero like you see in Mob and One Punch Man. And does the main character in terms of right away, does he show a lot of personality or is it driven by like this the supporting cast kind of like in one punch man oh. and mob where the supporting cast oh, is more of the characters yeah. of like showing the personalities whereas the main character is kind of very timid and just kind of straight faced of uh, reactions for everything the main character that we get in versus is much more of a uh traditional not traditional but much more what you see in a in a in an adventure manga he is 
very heroic. He has a good personality. He he is the star. He is he drives the story. He's not at all like Saitama and Mob, who are more of that one-dimensional flat character that that lets all the staff flesh out the story and carry them. You know, yeah. no. In this one, it's more of like you got one protagonist. He he is very well developed. He had and he he really does carry the story. His okay. personality. So it's it's different. It's very different. Okay, that that's good to hear because I know that as much as I love Mob, Mob is my spirit anime character, yes. um, and uh, and Saitama as well, but. Um, I'm glad that he's kind of coming out of his wheel box in terms of like the protagonist that he's writing to. Cause I know that mm-hmm. if, if you start writing the same protagonist a little bit one too often, I think that was one thing that I was glad of that I did have a break between, uh, watching one punch man. And then a couple of years later watching mob psycho that, because I think right. if I watched them back to back, because they're one, I don't think I would have enjoyed either one as much as I did. Uh, yes, I agree. Totally agree. And that's, I think that's kind of why I'm, intrigued by versus so much because it it really does feel like one is is treading different ground than what he's done with mob and um saitama on one punch man so i'm 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 very intrigued to see where we go it's it's not what i was it it's weird it's not what i was expecting but it is what i was expecting you know what i mean yeah yeah you you just expect quality from them so correct correct so so yeah so uh, so in terms of for me uh for my best manga that debuted in 2022, I, I have to pick a Kane Banashi because um, I was extremely surprised that because I'm I, while I do read some slice of life, I don't read a lot. Um, and what I particularly enjoyed about a Kane Banashi is that Yuki uh, Sunuga and uh, Takamase Emuao introduced me to a new world that I wasn't uh, particularly familiar with, which is the Rakuga um entertainment um art form um and which is just uh, kind of almost japanese exclusive art, art, art um entertainment art form i had no idea going into the manga that that's what this was going to be about I had no idea that it was um that i considered like when i first read it i was like oh it's it's a like kind of stand-up comedy in japanese style but it's not that it has it's completely different uh storytelling and everything and i think in terms of what they've done with it, it uh, i like that they even though akane is a high school girl they're not focusing her on her high school life like we see her every once in a while in high school like interacting with some friends um but that's not the bulk of the, of the story it's more so of like her trying to become a rakuga player getting respect in that she um, and I also like that they're not falling into the trapping of like, she's a female, she's a teenager. And so she has a lo- uh, large hill to climb. It's more so that she just needs to get the respect in, in this field. And, and she just needs to show off her skills. And that that's the main focus is like her showing off her skills, her adaptability in terms of what, what contest she's in and stuff like that. So I'm glad that that's the focusing because I know that sometimes when you have a, a main, especially when you have a main character that, is already shown right out of the gate talented in, in a field that that's sometimes like not what most manga readers want to read right away. Um, Cause you, while it kind of works for like one punch man that some characters that are overpowered or talented right away, it doesn't work for every single manga. Usually we do get the trope of the characters not talented or seen at, like below everybody else. And that's how usually we start off the story of a underpowered character, but I'm glad here, kind of is able to start off as somebody that already right right at the gate shows talent uh, in the field that she's chosen and it's just about her improving and her actually coming to a mindset of like i need to adapt depending on what contest i'm in depending on who, what crowd i am in and that's the main focus that um uh, sanuga and and mal are taking is that 
can we show a character that is adaptive to the type of crowd that she's doing her Rakugo performance in? And they've done a really good job so far. And also using that as um, introducing us into like new characters as well. Like they're constantly introducing us to new characters, a cast of people around her that is growing that you enjoy their personalities because they all have like contrasting personalities to Akane as well. So um, I think they've done a really good job in terms of just fleshing out the world around Akane as well as she does all the different concepts as she moves up into a Rakugo world. So again, I re- I've really enjoyed it and it's not something I expected in 2022 to read at all, but I'm glad I did because like I said, it did introduce me to a world that I didn't experience before or even knew about. Yeah, we we reviewed Akane Banashi for this podcast. And so, and, and just because I don't, just I want to clarify something, Kevin. So people don't misunderstand me. When I say no. none of them clicked with me, no new mate, it's not because they weren't well done. This is a well done manga. When we did the podcast, Kevin, I gave it high grades because I, I did think that UK uh, Suenaga did a really good job with the story and the art, and it was top notch, high quality. So it, it, I gave it a good review. It's just, you know, I only have so much time, Kevin. Yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read things that really. Yeah. Speak to me, but it's well done. So don't yeah. just because if I include something doesn't mean it's not well done. This is well done, and, and definitely I would encourage people to give it a try because you you don't know you might really like it. And I would say actually it, it also kind of works kind of like your verses where you have Insanuga as the the writer and then Mao as the artist. Um, and I think that actually is beneficial for something like this because, like I said, Rakugo is something in uh, specified art um, art entertainment. Um, form in japan so like yep. well some japanese readers may know it is still is uh, from what i from what i know about it when looking it up it is a niche entertainment uh, form um even more niche than stand-up comedy here in the right. uh, like across the world so um so it, it it does take work for them to like introduce us into what Roku is putting it over as well so and you, w- what i enjoy about it is especially when you have a creative team is that sanuga and mao each no, hey, this is my talent, and I trust you as well because Sanuga trusts Mal to be like, hey, we need to put over the the performance that Akane puts out, and I I'm not going to write everything. Obviously, there, there is going to be a lot of dialogue because of the way that we have to form um, do the performance, but also I will trust you to that. Like, there will be scenes where she goes without dialogue. It's just about the way that Mal draws draws it, and I'm glad that they 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 do a good job collaborating in that way because they're like, we know we need to get this over. We know what we're doing is a very niche in terms of the type of content we're tackling. But as long as we work together, as long as we work towards our strengths that, and I think that that's really what shows me here is that they are really collaborative in that way. And it shows whenever there's like these silencings of the performance where there's no dialogue and it's just characters reacting. I think that's really shines through here of like the strength of when you have a create a strong creative team that collaborates on on a series. Completely agree. I remember that being my reaction when I when we reviewed it, because here I am, an American. I don't know anything about Rakugo, and yet Suenega did an awesome job, clearly explaining it to me without boring me or 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 overstaying his welcome in the explanation, right? He did it in an interesting and succinct fashion, got me up to speed, got me interested in it. And then Mao's art was just, like you said, there's a lot of scenes where there's no dialogue Mm -hmm. and the art just really does a great job in carrying the comedic effect of what's going on. 
it really is a good creative team, even though I didn't continue reading it after we reviewed it. It's yeah. not because it's no comment on the quality of work. It is very good. People should give it a try. You don't know. You might you might really enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, and it does have the tropes of like your financial and like there's competitions, there's tournaments and everything that obviously there's no fighting, but there's oh, fighting no. in a different form. And like, right. again, I think um, kind of what we talk about sometimes with reaction shots, I think reaction shots is what's key mm-hmm. to the series, especially. And um, so the reactions to the performances, I think, are as key to as the performances themselves. So I think, again, that plays into the artwork and the strength of the artwork and the writing as well. So. Um, again, give it a shot. And um, I know it, it's probably like the longest running new manga that was uh, introduced so. this year because it's at 44 yeah. chapters as of at the end of 2022. So it's still yeah. going on. It's one of the mangas that has actually survived. that oh. got, got introduced uh, at the beginning of the year. I, I think that I think it might be the, the only one. And we've had a more new manga that have debuted over the last couple right. of months that are still going on. But I think it kind of actually. Again, it, it's shown that it has a lot of legs, and um, I'm glad it's still going on into 2023. So, all right, so that finishes off our best manga that debuted this uh, this year. But Rock, what was a manga that you discovered this year that you would say was your favorite of the year? So, the, which will be your selection for the best discovered manga in 2022? Super easy for me, Kevin. It's One Punch Man. I had this manga on my list, my to read list. I watched the anime, of course, that came out a while ago. And that, that made me put the manga on my to read list. I was like, I got a guy. This anime is great. I'm going to love the manga for sure. So I put it on my to read list. My to read list, Kevin, as you know, is quite long. <laughs> and so it took me a long time to get my way down to One Punch Man, which I did. I read the entire thing, which is now up to, I think, about 174 chapters, I believe. And I read all 174 chapters, Kevin, in the month of November. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I think it's at 176 if like for the web because it's a web oh, web thing, and, and then right. 174 that have been uh, like physical release or uh, over on our side. Correct, correct, correct. So I I just read it all in a month, and it was awesome. Absolutely fell in love with it. This is near and dear to my heart. If there's ever a manga that is written. Just for me, it's like one crawled inside of my head and said, here, Rock, this is what you want to read and gave it to me. I, I just love everything about it. I love the story. I love all the characters. The characters are so wild and insane. I love the action. I adore the artwork. The artwork is absolutely sick. This is the best art in any manga or American comic. I don't really care where you're talking from. This is the best. Yasuke Murata is bonkers. His art is, I I remember him, Kevin. I did read I Shield 21, which is what he did uh, prior to One Punch Man. And I enjoyed I Shield 21, which is cool. It's a, it's a manga about American football being played over at a Japanese high school. It's cool, but in, in the art is nice, but I don't remember Murata's artwork being Kevin being at this level, it's like he's hit in a hole. It's like he's leveled up two or three times because some of the art on One Punch Man, uh, it's jaw dropping. You will he there are some chapters, Kevin, where you'll get two, three, four, five, six double page splash shots in a row. I mean, your jaw is just on the floor. The art is phenomenal. I mean, I really cannot emphasize it enough. 
and I love all the character designs as well. They, everybody looks incredibly cool. And it's just, it's a good mix of insane fighting and comedy. It does remind me a lot, Kevin, of my favorite manga of all time, Kanikamon. Very much so. And the characters are just, some are just, you know, outrageous, right? Which is what you often get on Kanikamon with outrageous gimmicks. And you get that here, and you get the comedy inner spiced with the the bloody violence. So it reminds me a lot of Kanikamon in that manner. It's just it's just fantastic. This rose right to the top of my list of favorite manga currently being published. I just loved everything about it. And it's definitely, you know, if you like superheroes, this is a no-brainer. You should read One Punch Man for sure. But even if you don't like superheroes, if you just like comedy action stories you'll probably like this as well you don't have to like superheroes to like it it's not like that superhero-y you know what i mean it's not like a marvel comic or a dc comic it's not that level superhero yeah and i, I know i i enjoyed the um, the anime the first season more so than the second season yeah. uh is there kind of that same dip because i know like that that was my criticism for one punch man in terms of the second season where it felt like the story kind of like the story and also like the animation to be honest, um, kind of dipped from what it was in the first season. Do you see that same dip with the story going on in the manga or once you got to the story arc for the second, like that was the second season of the anime, you're like, oh no, th this is better than, um, than the anime or this is just as well done. Right. I like the, I, I like the, the anime like you, I like season one more than um, season two. And, but I think that manga is better in my opinion. I just think it does a better job with the story and the characters and yeah, it, 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 there's, you know, it starts off. The first story arc is, is cool. And, and there's a bit of a dip um, going on, but luckily it, it picks back up really quickly. And the, the best story arc by far is it's, it's a long run, long running story arc as well. Uh, you've got the Monster Association arc that takes up the bulk of the manga that will run you from chapter 78 all the way to chapter 170. Kevin, that's a big story arc and it's off the charts. Phenomenal. So you got to get it to chapter 78. And it's it. Let me tell you what, like Jr. says, business picks up real fast at that point. Kevin, it's it's really good. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So I, I know one punch man in terms of the um in terms of the manga i still haven't read it i know it, it is kind of like kind of like you had it la this last year it's on your repile it's on my repile right now yep. um yep. and i i'm eventually gonna get to it but i still haven't gotten to it just because right. um I, i'm not sure why but but it's just like something that i see but i'm like i'll, I'll let another chapter build up and stuff like that i think that <laughs> i've had that mentality with one one punch man so far Right, right. Um, but but I'm excited to st finally start reading because I think uh, I'm going to probably read it this in this new year because I'm kind of jumping for new uh, One Punch Man stuff and we're not getting to it doesn't seem like we're getting the new anime season at, like yet so I'm not sure when yeah. we're going to get it maybe maybe 2024 maybe yeah, maybe <laughs> so so yeah so it's going to be a while so but in terms of for me for like the best discovered manga that I um in 2022. I will have to say it's going to be uh, the Mission Yazakura family uh, that that's by mm -hmm. Itsuji Gandara. We I know we read it the first volume earlier last last year for 
and it's hard to say uh, 2022 that was last year but that, that's where we're at right now but yeah so we i know we read the first volume and i still kept reading it afterwards and what i just enjoyed is that gondira uh, is just creating this world where it is focused on family so it, is, it does have kind of almost like that what i like about fast and furious where it's like you're just building up this family you're building up each character in the family as well you got the main love interest with uh tayo asano and then uh, Mitsumi Yazakura as the lead, as the character leads, and what I liked about that is we talked about it when we reviewed the first volume. You could look back at that episode. Is that they just got the relationship out of the way? They're already they got the relationship. It is about relationship building between the two and like them actually falling in love because of their circumstances. But I did like that they kind of got the relationship out of the way. We're not going into this of like oh these two love interests are. Right. longing for each other or like they like each other or one of them likes the other and trying to get the other to like the other um no that's not what this is about this is about tayo get and tayo getting accepted by the family by each member i really do enjoy every single character that that's in the and the yazakura family as well and i think especially this last year one thing that they did a good job is with the main antagonist now for the series that got introduced um which is their spoilers their dad um right. I really like the the whole reasoning behind it and the way the motivation behind it. And I think they done a good job just building out the, like this assassin's world um, and w- what it means to have like a, a family basically full of hitmen and like, <laughs> and then like you have the leader. And I, I, what I liked most about it is that there's no power struggle within the family, that the family is all supportive of each other. They're fully understanding that the, the youngest is going to be the one that they take care of. And they're, there's no like someone's going gold rogue because they want the power. That's not what the story is. And, and I know that usually when it comes to these type of stories, that's what I have come to expect that there's always going to be that one member, especially when the, the bigger the family is, the bigger chance of that is because that's just storytelling in general. But I'm glad that Gondara has gone away from that completely. He, he has not given into that temptation of, let me get a rogue family member in here because we do have, he did have the, obviously the plan with the rogue family member of the dad, but I'm glad that he's the outsider of the family. We didn't see him for a long time. He was only mentioned until he, his full parents. And so I'm glad that in terms of the core family that they just, he kept that dynamic going for the entire series. Yep. Totally agree. This funny, you should mention this one, Kevin, because before this, podcast we all we, we had to make our selections and i i did for every one i make a backup in case you pick it right you yeah. make a backup in case i pick it well this was my other one okay yeah. it was mission yozakura family was my alternate choice to one punch man because like you after we read it for the podcast i absolutely fell in love with this title absolutely just adore everything that gondara is doing with the cast the cast is awesome i love the family vibe of the cast Everything you say rings true for me as well. I love the chemistry. I like all the different characters. They're really interesting. It's fun to see them all supporting each other. It's a really neat world that Gandara has built here full of really cool characters that you're actually invested in. You really do like all of them. It's such a fun read. This one won me over. This would have been my choice if not for One Punch Man for sure. It's it's a great title. The art's great as well. It's It's just... It's really well done. I would definitely encourage if people have not hopped on this one. You got to read this one. Yeah. And I think that what Gundara does a good job in it as well throughout the series is 
like he knows sometimes what the reader is expecting for this type of series where he kind of teases oh is there a traitor and some every once in a while he'll tease that type of thing with like different character uh developments and i'm glad that he plays into that expectation of this type of series when you have this large large of a cast and that he doesn't give into that temptation of actually going through with it it's just more that he is playing with what the reader's expectations of like he knows that this is what usually happens in this type of story, but that's not the direction he's going, but he will play with those expectations. I, I like when he occasionally does that because it, it does feed into the overall character arcs that he, yeah. that's building for each of the family members. Oh, no. Subverting the reader's expectations is a huge part of the charm of the story. And, and you notice it from the very beginning. And I, I really appreciate that he, he continually does it. It, and it's, it does make it more enjoyable to read because you're right. The fact that we just move right past all the romance and all the it's it just move right past it. I think that Gandara knows, hey, I know what readers like from this type of story. And maybe I know what is kind of worn out. And so I'm going to use that to my advantage. And I think he does that as we continue to progress. All right. Yeah. And so from, from there, uh, I want to actually talk about for our next uh, top topic will be the best surprise manga. So rock, this will be for a manga that you didn't expect to read, or you just randomly found it like walking Barnes and Noble or something. And you just discovered whether it's new or old. Um, what was a manga that surprised you that you picked up and you're like, wow, I didn't expect to enjoy this, but I enjoyed it. So uh, what was, what was that manga for you this year? So it's going to surprise you. This my surprise manga is a title that I, Picked up because of the mangaka, but I was like, there's no way I'm going to like this. There's just, just just no way I'm going to like this at all, despite how much I like the mangaka. And that would be Goodbye, Eerie. I love Tatsuki Fujimoto. Love him. And I love Chainsaw Man. But I, I, and that's why I picked, I grabbed this because of him. But I looked at this going, dude, there is nothing about this story. It is going to appeal to me. It's just not. It looks like it's sliced to life. And it's, and, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of great slice of life story mangas out there and more power to them. It's just not a genre that's ever appealed to me. And so I'm like, there is no chance I'm going to dig this at all. And I read it and I loved it. And that legit stunned me how much I love this story that was as it just not at all. I mean, look, people, what do I like? I keep referencing things like Kanikuman and One Punch Man and Mashal. Okay. All right. I mean, there's, there's definitely, I'm definitely a type with what kind of story I like to get. And Goodbye, Eerie is not that type at all. It's very slow. It's very measured. It's very quiet. It's very much rooted in reality. And I loved it. I loved everything about it. it. It was a very powerful story. Very powerful story. I thought it was beautifully written. It it pulls the reader in. And you are just captivated from beginning to end. That this world that, that Fujimoto builds out. Very real life. But incredibly gripping. It is. It's It's cold. It's it's depressing. It's brutally honest. It's very raw in its emotions. But I found this to be a very gripping, 
read. I mean, it really, if this doesn't evoke any kind of emotion in you, then wow, you may not have a pulse. Um, I just found it to be an incredibly powerful. The art is okay. Uh, look, I, I won't lie. Fujimoto's art for me shines in the action scenes on Chainsaw Man. I think in the more dialogue heavy scenes, his art becomes a little bit more average. That's just me. And if you like his art, that's cool. That's cool. Just different strokes for different folks. But for me, it becomes a little more average. So for me, I'm thinking, oh no, this is going to be hard for him to pull off. He's not going to be the Chainsaw Man action to really let his art shine in my eyes. But his art, the simplicity of his art, I call it matchstick art almost. The simplicity of his art really worked so well with the story to Goodbye Eerie that I don't think I would have wanted a more polished, slick, detailed style of artwork. You know? Yeah, and I think that when it comes to Fujimoto's artwork, I think what, what I do actually really enjoy from his is that all the characters aren't like just all of a sudden like really pretty like even the, yes. like the ugliest character sometimes will be like uh, you're like oh this is a, a still an attractive character yeah. he does treat them more as like real people like they all have different looks to them like different facial expressions and stuff like that and i think from like the facial expressions to the hairstyles and all that stuff i think it all works to like have a wide variety of characters which is what you would find in the world and i think that that's really the strength of his artwork when it just comes to his character designs is that he does try to vary them and he tries like um so that way no character kind of looks the same and even if like especially when you you're dealing with manga and like you are just like basically black white and gray like that that's the your color palette yeah. it is very tough to kind of get it over without saying oh let, let me make this spiky hair dude let me make one long haired <laughs> character one yeah. one that has like a braid one has side, side ponytail and all this stuff when um, so that's the only characteristic I could add along with the facial expressions. And I think that Fujimoto's strength when it comes to just the talking scenes are the expressions for each character. And I think that's what he does well with Goodbye Airy. And Goodbye Airy was one of my top 10 manga overall this year. That, um, And I really enjoyed it. If I didn't pick Akane Banashi, it would probably have been this for in terms of new right. manga for me. Um, and I, I, I think that you could tell that Fujimoto does really want to do more character work between this and then look back and now what chainsaw man part two is he mm -hmm. is really focusing in i know i'm amazing at 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 action yeah. and all that stuff from like part one of uh chainsaw man like we saw that all the time in chainsaw man part one but i feel like in part two we're seeing him dive into more just character focused stuff which he's always done a good job in but it's always been part of like this action world but now yeah. we're seeing that in chainsaw man part two where he is diving mm -hmm. into a lot more character work and now with good brand you see that like he, he kind of prepared the reader almost with goodbye area of like yeah hey I'm, i want to do more character work i want to have these characters because even like goodbye airy the main character like airy she is very really like the asa in uh chainsaw man too like you could see that this is almost like a prototype design for asa yeah as well and even like the character arc for the character again it, you're just kind of seeing fujimoto mm -hmm. almost it seems like he took the break that he got from Chainsaw Man Part One, and took that break to develop, look back, develop Goodbye Airy, uh, which uh, both of them and I, and he's like, you know what, I, I'm done doing just action stuff. I, I don't want to be just known for that. I want to stretch my legs a little bit, and I'm glad he's doing that because again, he is testing himself as a creator, and you could see that from Goodbye Airy, he's developing himself as somebody that could do more than just the traditional Shonen Jump or what you would expect from him from his previous work with. Or was it fire punch and then chainsaw yeah. man and i'm glad that he is 
like somebody that's not just getting comfortable in the one style of writing that he, he he's known for. Yep. Totally agree. It was a, uh, it was a shocker. Hey, look, man, Fujimo is so good. He got me to enjoy his story. <laughs> I, it's not, I just don't read this kind of story normally. Yeah, You don't really read slice of life. I, I know that for sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but no, I'm glad that you, 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 you enjoyed that. And I know Fujimoto is one of your favorite creators. So I'm glad that he got you in, into uh, a style of, of shonen uh, or a style of manga that you don't normally yeah. read. Um, for me, um, one ma- one manga and even anime that I don't normally get into is the har- harem genre. Um, and so I don't really like. I don't know. I know it's super popular in in, in manga and anime, but I just don't get into that that harem stuff because it it's always kind of devolves into something I just don't find enjoyable um, really quickly, but. Um, on that, I, I actually did find myself. I did enjoy this new manga that just came out in the states. It's been going on for about uh, two years now. Um, in Japan, it's called the Cafe Terrace and the Goddesses. <laughs> so it, it is about this. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of Koji Iseo, who wrote uh, um, uh, Fuka and uh, and a few other mangas that are very notable. He's very much a slice of life uh, creator. Um, yep. And sometimes controversial creator, if you've read some of his work and, and decisions that he's uh, he's done. Um, um, I, oh, yeah. And, and then in, in Your Town or something like that, that that's his other manga that he's and Suzuka. Um, right. So he does. He's a writer that's known for making questionable decisions in terms of like um, in terms of like the story beats that he hits, because mm-hmm. I, I know for sure, like one one thing that he does is like doing these emotional relationships and then making characters do these um decisions that you're like ooh, i don't know about that decision or killing off your main character like he did in fuka um <laughs> like uh like and, and who was the title character of the series and then introducing a twin basically <laughs> um so he he did that um and that's kind of i'm not sure if you've heard of the trunk coon yeah. uh a meme of like where like oh you're gonna kill off a main character it's always a truck driver yeah, um yeah. he he's kind of the he's the reason why there's that there's that uh a joke in in the manga world um and and with with the cafe terrace and and, and its goddess is what i did actually find out i find out that i enjoy is that it is a harem manga um where you do have these five uh five ca- um cafe workers that are all very attractive uh females that are like a uh, range of college age mm-hmm. um and you have the main character uh who who comes in after his grandma dies. He hasn't been talking to his grandma for a while, get into Tokyo university. Cause he wants to like, uh, get like basically, I guess a business degree. Mm-hmm. And, um, he had a fight with his grandma before he took off to high school. Cause he went to live on his own. Um, and he was living with his grandma because his parents died when he was young. Um, and while he was gone, his grandma was running this cafe, the, the cafe terrace. And, she brought in all these these five girls because they were all kind of lost girls that for different reasons i don't know yet um, because we haven't gotten there because we've only had the first three volumes released um they had various fights with the, i guess their parents like that's the one character that that's what i know of um i don't know about the others but she brought them all in while um while the main character is was gone so he comes back when she dies and after he hears he dies he see, finds these five girls and they have a, obviously a misunderstanding, but then once they get over that misunderstanding, um, he he's like, okay, I'm going to run this cafe for a year. If it's not successful, I'm going to kick everybody out of the house, and I'm going to just sell off the sell sell off the property, and then 
make it a parking lot or something so I can make money while I'm at, I'm in college. Um, but I'll give it a year to see if I actually make money out of this business. Um, so that, that's basically the, the thing for, for this storyline. And what I like about it is that while our main character, he is not like, he he's obviously attracting all these girls. He's not, he is still very focused on like, Hey, I'm going, I, I said, I promised all you guys, I'm going to do this for a year. If it's successful and that's my main focus. And, um, and that he calls all the girls out on their bullshit too. Uh-huh. And I I do like that about it. Like he is somebody that he's not the typical main character. Yeah. You would find in a harem where he is very self-aware. Like I like that. He has a self-awareness of right. his situation, but at the same time that because he's so self-aware, that kind of feeds into why he's so serious about work and everything like that. And that while he he's begrudging about it, he does accept his own faults as well. And like tries to improve on his own, own faults, even though he does it sometimes in a manner that, um is a little bit rough and gruff a little bit but he also is a is a good character and then i like the five girls as well that that are around him each each of them have a distinct personality each are doing different things there's one girl that she's kind of the typical oh she's a drunk pervert um (laughs) in this and um but he spreads that out just far enough so that it doesn't become too much of a meme um and but i enjoy it i like i said i enjoy the six characters they're all have various degrees of enjoyment and i'm very surprised that i just enjoyed this uh the series overall because i wasn't expecting it but i had a friend recommend it to me and i was just like okay i'll try it out and i was like I, and the first i read the first volume and i told my friend i was just like what did you get me into and then I gave me the second volume i was like okay i'm kind of getting into this uh, <laughs> so it's kind of my guilty pleasure manga right now that's awesome i'm gonna have to check this one out kevin yeah i'll have to check you may enjoy you may especially uh, one thing i will give uh sale credit for he always has really good character designs and from from the art artwork that he was giving us over in zuzuka to now he he has definitely grown as an artist so um he uh, he does very good job creating attractive characters i'll say that all right there you go i'm on i'm on again (laughs) don't worry yeah (laughs) um but yeah so the there are three volumes out here or the third volume i believe is going to be out soon or if it's not out already um and but i know that there's two volumes out so far i think the third volume comes out next month or so um here in the states and there's been but in japan there's been eight volumes because i think there's like 70 or 80 chapters in japan right now so um but i know that it seems like kondasha is one of the series that they are rushing to get more out because the anime is going to debut in in the spring so because they they just put out i think the first two volumes here in the last th- uh three months so it, it, and in the typical kondasha form uh format whenever the anime is coming out they usually kind of rush the translations uh so that's what they're doing for this one we're gonna go away from manga series rock and let's talk about the creators and first what was your the best mangaka writer for you this year Oh, this is not easy, Kevin. This is like choosing between my children. There's so many just there's so many good choices. And I uh, I really struggled with this. In the end, I gave it to Tatsuya Endo for Spike's family. It just he just he just nudged out a few uh good close competitors uh for this year. There are a lot of just great writers doing some awesome work in manga right now but i had to give it i just gave it to endo i really am enjoying 
all of the fantastic character work on Spike's family. I, I just think that his handling of our family, our faux family, the Forgers, is just it's just brilliant. It is it is to me still Spike's family brings a character dynamic that I it's hard to match on any other title right now. I, I really Lloyd and your and Anya, they're just on a different level. Then you add in, you know, yours brother who is hilarious. Then you, you know, so you get some real, the family dynamic is just, it's just phenomenal. And the way that Endo continually plays with the family dynamic and then the spy dynamic that lays just underneath it and the tension between the two I, I think is just it's just fantastic and what i'm really am enjoying is that here we are Kevin. we're this has been this title's been going on for a little while now and we're on what chapter 73 i think is what we've gotten on the shonen jump app and endo is still able to he still doesn't feel pressured to do anything with this family dynamic. He doesn't feel pressured that I got to make your and Lloyd a couple. Uh, you know, I got to make them perfect parents. I got he, he doesn't feel this pressure. He's able to create the family dynamic that the reader loves. And look, don't get me wrong. The reader wants Lloyd and your to be a great mom and dad to Anya, right? Of course they do. And we get just enough of it. He continues to give us just enough of it to keep us satisfied without actually making them, you know, parents. They're still a spy first, assassin first. You know what I mean? We know that there's something in between your and Lloyd. It's obvious, Kevin. It's there. But Endo knows how he knows how to really, Kevin, in a very subtle fashion, keep that simmering in the background it, without it seeming without it seeming like he's ignoring the relationship or unnecessarily teasing the reader. It's actually a lot harder to do what he's doing with your and Lloyd than people think. It's actually really hard for a writer to do this, to keep something simmering in the background without it. You know, because sometimes you feel like you're unnecessarily teasing a reader, or sometimes you feel like you're pulling the triggers too soon. It, he's really got this dual life aspect of the family and the spy world and the assassin world he has it down pat. I just think it's phenomenal character work. I think it's really cool world building. It, this is a manga, Kevin, where even on the chapters that aren't involved with a large story arc, right? They're still gripping the reads because the characters are so compelling. You're so invested in the family dynamic and all the supporting cast that even on the smaller chapters with the smaller story arcs that don't really deal with the larger overarching story, they're still fascinating to read, really enjoyable. And I swear, Kevin, there's no way you don't read a chapter of Spike's family and not have a smile on your face at some point. It's almost impossible. Yeah, I, and I, I, you know, I, I, I just think credit for giving us a story that doesn't have over-the-top action or over-the-top crazy weird world. I think Endo's writing is subtle at points and subdued and yet incredibly entertaining at the same time. Yeah, and what I was going to say with Endo, I think what the transition that he made, especially this year, and he, he kind of was starting to make it 
last year as well, mm-hmm. but this year especially, like he, where Spike Snelly was kind of known for single chapter story yes. storylines from like the first couple of years. Now he's transitioning into telling longer story arcs where he, let me d- actually dive into the characters and mm-hmm. actually let me let the character development breathe even more than I was before. Yep. And that is a transition. I, I like that he knows, hey, you know what? I got everybody into the series. I got everybody into all the characters, into the world that I've created over the first couple of years. Now let me actually really dive into it yep. to each character. Let me give them all dedicated arcs, whether he... Last year, I know that one thing that I criticized them was that the your story arc kind of went on a little bit too long. Oh, but, on the cruise ship, yeah, yeah, yeah. the cruise on the cruise ship, yeah. <laughs> that that yeah. that story arc went on a little bit too long, but you could see yeah. that he's learned from kind of the he, the length of that story arc, and now he this year especially he has kind of refined how long he wants every story arc to take, um, and he's giving, like I said, giving everybody time to breathe for for that stuff it's not just one chapter in and out or two chapters in and out because i think before this before this uh the cruise arc we were really only getting like one to two chapter story arcs for for the most part and um which were all enjoyable but i'm glad that now he's really refined in terms of the multi-part story of hey you know what let me do like four or five chapters on this character or on this story and He's done a good job throughout this year. And also, I think the bi-weekly schedule that he's on, I think, is helpful because he is able to take more time to develop these stories. Because um, I know that sometimes we've only got, we go a month with just one chapter. And yeah. I, yeah. I've been totally fine with it because I'm. it's one of those things where, like, it, he should take the time. And I'm glad that hopefully, like, he's kind of setting the standard for Mangaka of, like, hey, we could take our breaks yep. or uh, we could do bi-weekly schedule and still be successful. Because I know, like the that's one thing that we're starting to see a little bit with the weekly schedule that it is a lot for some of these mangaka and yeah. um, especially the older they're getting, like it's tough to keep up the schedule. And it's we we've always heard how demanding that that schedule weekly schedule is. And yeah. I'm glad that we do have series like Spikes and that are showing that you don't need to be a weekly manga manga to still be successful. Totally agree. Totally agree. So. Um, yeah, for for me, I think the um, mangaka writer that stood out most to me this year, and I would say is the best um, in for twenty uh, for twenty twenty two was Yuro Suzuki, and what I and he's the writer for Sakamoto Days, and I think what I really appreciate about what Suzuki did this year is that he took what was so successful in the first year of Sakamoto Days, which was all the world building and the character building, and just took it to the next level this year, where he just went all out introducing new characters in this world because he's like i already have my set characters in this i already set up even the supporting cast as well like the side characters i developed them already in the first year now in the second year let me just blow it up with these crazy story arcs the and then the obviously the artwork's going to enhance that but in terms of just the the world building and how he's doing and how he's expanded the world this year i think this is probably like one of the best second years of any manga that I've ever read has had because he he understood going into this year of like, like I already said, I set the stage in the first year. Now in the second year, I'm just going to expand it and I'm going to introduce even crazier characters, even wilder powers um, mm-hmm. and j- just going all out. And I really appreciate that of like him kind of going into that year. It felt like he was challenging himself to be like, how could I expand this world even more? And he's done such a good job in it. It's really set, like, kind of showing what you should do in your second year of a, a manga. Um, and 
I'm really enjoying all the assassins that he's introducing because uh, again, Taro Sakamoto and Shin and everybody else that that's in um, the, the main cast is great. And then now we're going into tournament arcs. We're going into like kind of storylines. And then we're going into worlds where, you know what, let, let me just get an island full of assassins. Let's do that. Yep. Um, yep. Why not? And then let, then let me bring into order. Like I built up these cool cast of badass assassins. Now let me yeah. focus in on them as well. Um, Cause I could go chapters without Sakamoto as well. Like we've, especially recently we've gone chapters where Sakamoto is not around and mm-hmm. he's totally fine with it. Cause he knows he's created in, like I said, in the first year, he created so many badass characters that he can focus on a chapter where the title character isn't even involved and <laughs> it's still right. really enjoyable. And I think that it, it's all, it, it's all been really done where you're not, we're like, Oh, where's Sakamoto or where's Shin? Where's this character? You're like, no, I'm focused on this badass character. Oh, 100% agree. This is a great choice, Kevin. A great choice. I'm glad you picked it. I love Sakamoto Days. It is absolutely one of my favorite manga on the market right now. No doubt about it. I love it. And you're right. I think it's it's awesome how Suzuki has just went to a completely different level this year it started off the JAA, which is the big organization in Sakamoto Days. If you guys haven't read it yet, it's the Japanese Association of Assassins, the JAA. It starts off with the JAA incident arc, which is a short little arc, but it starts to whet your appetite for what Suzuki has planned for this title this year. He follows up with the JCC transfer exam arc, which is a good one, which is one of his longer arcs. That was probably about a 20, eh, not quite 20 chapters. And that's when I realized, Kevin, during the JCC transfer exam arc, wow, uh, Suzuki's really opening up his game. He is he's 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 realized that I'm I've got a great cast of characters. I'm going to just go hog wild this amazing world that I've created and really spend time focusing, like you said, on different characters that aren't either Shin or Sakamoto. And we really get that on a next level, Kevin, with the current arc. That's the JCC infiltration arc. And Kevin, that arc has been going on for about 30 chapters now. And you're right. You go, you go multiple chapters. You don't see Sakamoto or Shin at all. You might be focusing on a member of the order, for example. Um, It could be Shishiba, maybe. Uh, Nagumo, maybe. And you don't care. You don't care because every character is so badass awesome in this world is so amazing the way that Suzuki has been able to grow it out. Yeah, I agree with you, Kevin. This has been uh, one of the best second years to a, a, a manga title I've ever seen as well. It, it yeah. really is. And, and you and I love Sakamoto Days. I was a big I talk, man. I, I raved about it. Remember when, yeah. when it first came out? And I was like, dude, Kevin, this is really good. This is really good. This is really good. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's even way better now. It, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And I think that now he's getting to kind of like what we see with so many manga is that he's getting into the saga phase of things yeah, like yeah, where like yeah. la- last year, I think he did a good job of having each story arc kind of stand on their own. There's no like there, there's a, a overarching narrative, but yeah. at, at the same time, they're all kind of standalones. But now this year he's kind of going into of a, like I'm, he still has the individual story arcs, but each the individual yeah. story arcs are feeding into a bigger saga. Kind of like mm-hmm. what we see with what with, with a, uh, other shonen jump mangas of like going into like that you do have story arcs, but those story arcs feed into a bigger saga. Right. And I think that's what we got this year, where he's like, this entire year has been the JCC saga, 
um, really, and like just kind of developing that that or uh, that entire organization, and then what what that entire means for Japan and stuff like that, and you know, the characters themselves. And so it's been really cool to see how he's taking what is a traditional uh, show and jump story storyline type of thing, and and done it with with these characters now for the second year. I think again he's adapted really well in terms of like I gave you guys all like. Because I, I figure I feel like we got a lot of ten chapter story arcs in the in, in the first year. Yep, um, now in the second year we're getting a lot more longer, and he's really doing a good job stretching his legs in terms of like. Letting, I'm not going to go all out right now in terms of going for like thirty chapters or forty chapter story arcs like some other mangas are, but he he is slowly kind of building himself up to that and building the series up to that as well. Yep, agreed. So, um. All right, so we talked about writer because again, um, mangaka writer, and then um, uh, sometimes they're also the artist, but sometimes they're not. Um, and I want to actually, we're we and so that's why we talked about a writer first. And now, what was the best mangaka artist rock for, for you that stood out this year? I've already mentioned him, we've already talked about him, I'm already saying his praises. This is not gonna surprise anyone with the way I went over on and on and on about his amazing artwork. It's Yasuke Murata on One Punch Man. I for me. It's not even close. His art is simply on a completely different level. It's mind blowing. I, I already went on and on about it. I don't want to keep going on and on about it again. But it 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 is it's stunning how phenomenal his fight scenes are. They are like nothing else. They are it's cinematic. His fight scenes they legit are cinematic. It's incredible. Yeah, that, that that's a great pick. I know that you like you said you already kind of raved about him, but it's good to hear that because <laughs> he, he is one of those that. He has been able to focus on art, and I think sometimes that that is a strength when you're yes. you have a writer, an artist paired, paired up, where he's just bringing to life the writing for one. And do you feel like he also does a good job when it comes just to the more non-action season as well? Like, how does he do with those episodes? Yeah. His like the most recent chapter, chapter one seventy four that I read. There's no real big fighting in it. There's no cinematic splash shots, and yet the art is still really really nice and a, a normal what i call a normal non-action you know regular chapter from mirada is still really pretty he just brings a lot of detail to his work and like you said he's not having to worry about writing he's just doing the art and so i think it, it does allow him to you know maybe he just got more time to really step up the detailing that he puts into every panel so even when you don't get fighting it's still really pretty to look at Nice. Okay. Yeah. So for me, for the artist that stood out most for, um, probably won't surprise anybody with, uh, is Genji Akutami, uh, from Jujutsu Kaisen. Cause yeah, yeah. I think his writing is, has always been solid on, on Jujutsu Kaisen, but it, it's really the artwork that just yes. is like amazing in Jujutsu Kaisen. And this year, especially where it's just kind of, we've gone from one fight to another. And yeah. this year, he really stepped it up when it comes to like, the way he draws characters now that we kind of almost got into a time jump scenario for these characters and showing how like the characters aging as well because we don't get that very often like characters kind of stay in their whatever their core character designs but this year there's been some extreme changes to characters and from their character designs and just the overall way that they emote and the way that they conduct themselves and i think akutami has done a really good job showing how you can really change characters and have characters like the almost entire cast has gone through dramatic changes. Yes. And the artwork does such a good job with getting over how dramatic the character changes are because they've all the characters have gone through something incredibly uh, hard in the last in 2021 and going into 2022. It's about what does that mean for everybody? 
no, almost nobody goes back to a kind of like we get a lot of resets with a lot of manga stories, like where the characters, oh yeah, we got to go back to the core characters. Yeah. But this this year we didn't get that with Jujutsu Kaisen, and it's, it was really surprising to see because obviously there's core aspects of the character that still exist, but like I said, a lot of them kind of have changed and dr- like drastically. Like Maki, one of my favorite characters in the series, and really has become probably my favorite character of the series this year. Um, she's gone through if you look at her character design initially and what her character design is now, oh yeah, it is completely different. Yeah. And um, and I think the action even does a good job of getting that over of like the way the characters fight, the ca- way the characters all interact, like I said, interact with each other, does such a good job um with getting over where they are right now. And I think he just took it to kind of the next level, which is Kaizen, which was already known as one of the best looking manga and just be- best like overall action mangas as well absolutely that's that's an excellent choice kevin akutami is an awesome artist and i agree jujitsu kaisen is a fantastic looking manga i love that choice it's 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 beautiful looking the action is just over the top i love your choice that's a fantastic selection yeah. and uh and like i said i like that like he took kind of the time jump kind of yeah. concept and just did it as yep. like oh yeah let me it's not about the characters getting taller like we normally right. get or like and he keeps the same core designs. I think that's really what stood out for me is that he just took like the time the time jump kind of typical mm-hmm. thing that we see in so many manga and just said, Oh, you know what? Let me take that and actually I'm gonna change these characters completely. Um sometimes. Right. Yeah. And, and yep. So so I, again, like I said, he does such a good job and then just the action is awesome. Um, and they're in like probably some of the, some of the best action you'll find in any manga. So, um, and oh, yeah. it, again, and his writing is solid, but I think it's really the the artwork that stands out for Jujutsu Kaisen for me. Yeah, I agree. So, um, and in terms of like the mangas themselves, Rock, what, who do you think was the best protagonist of this year? Oh, this is Kevin again. This is so <laughs> hard. The choices you made me pick are so hard because honestly, I love I love so many. Of these characters, I love Denji. I, you know, I I I love, uh, I love Saitama. I I I love Sakamoto. I get just so many great characters <laughs> to pick from. It's so hard to pick one. I love I love, you know, Mash over at Mashal Magic and Muscles. So I look at the end. I had to pick somebody, right? So it it I went ahead and chose Lloyd Forger. I chose Lloyd for maybe a little bit of a swerve. Maybe people didn't think I was going to pick this one, but I, I really think Lloyd's character has just been, he's just been fantastic. Even though, even though Spike's family is absolutely, um, you know, it is definitely a, a cast title. It's, it's carried by, by the Forger family, right? Kevin. I mean, let's be honest. The, the, Lloyd and Yor and Anya, those are your three main characters to the story. But I feel that of the three main characters, I feel that Lloyd has benefited from the most character work by Endo. Uh, not not that he hasn't done a good job with Anya and, and Yor, don't get me wrong, but I think Lloyd has been the recipient of the most character work by endo in the past year i think he really spent a lot of time on, on lloyd flesh and lloyd's character and his backstory out on this year yeah and, and i think if we did would have done this um category last year i think i would have picked your for that same Correct. reason because like yep. i think last year it was very much a your and and anya focus yes. year for spikes yes. family and this year 
he 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 kind of knew that because we did get some Lloyd moments last year as well here and yeah. there, but it was really your and Anya that were that were main drivers. I would say of twenty twenty one for um for Spike family. I think this year it seems like he did have a plan in place. Like let me, I'm going to explore. He's going to take the time to explore each character, and this year he really did go into diving into um exploring uh, Lloyd's character. With we got. For the most part, we learned almost his entire origin story. We, we did. There's some some details that are left out, um, right? But we'll probably learn that later on when the deeper we get into the story. But I think he did such a good job with the origin story for for Lloyd, and then kind of getting into his motivation. I think you yes. you already bought into the Lloyd and the entire family as as a whole, anyways. But this year, you're even more bought into what Lloyd's arc is into this of like. He is a guy that's kind of by, like has lived a life by himself because of his circumstances right. and based on, but he is a character that has felt love for a long time. And that kind of, you, you, you see that he, that's the thing that he's been missing. And that's kind of the experience that he's going through right now and the experience that he is not used to. And you could tell right. how uncomfortable that makes him to go back to kind of what, like, again, going to his origin story and, like, how the Forger found, like, Anya and, and Yor tapping into a part of him that he thought he locked up for a long time. Yeah, and that's what I love, is that in, in 2022, we, by getting, finally diving into Lloyd's backstory, because I feel like when Spike's family first started, Kevin, I really feel like we were following your story and her relationship with her brother, Yuri, and her backstory and her childhood. And it, it really focused in on that in the beginning. And then we transitioned to focusing on Anya. And then we're finally getting to Lloyd this year. And that backstory, you're right, Kevin. The backstory is vital. Is the middle. Is the middle. It fleshes out Lloyd's feelings and his relationship with Yor and Anya in this family. And it adds more depth and add more layers to his relationship with those two ladies right and why he's just like not comfortable or not willing to give into this family once you read his backstory now it makes sense after reading his backstory why he is so resistant to being a dad to being a husband to having a family and why he is so focused in on the mission instead. It makes a lot more sense, and it allows Endo to keep playing with the uh, gimmick, right? Yeah, and I think it's going to be interesting, too, because this is, like, we already kind of, in terms of backstories, we already knew what Anya's backstory was. We knew, we've gotten teases for both Floyd and Yor. Like, even Yor, we still haven't opened up in terms of how she got into the assassin world, about her family as well. Like, almost, and it, it was similar to Lloyd, where, we kind of knew his backstory to why he got into Weiss, but now we got into why he really did get into Weiss and right. his entire backstory. And it's going to be interesting going into this new year if we're going to start seeing the data for your as well. Because like I said, we, we like you said before, we only know about her, her relationship with her brother. Anytime we get flashbacks with her, it's always like her post-assassin like assassin yeah. and like her, her raising her brother, but we don't have actual details about what happened to her parents, what happened so that she is living alone and how did her as almost like what a, a te- like a young teenager get into yeah. the assassin world we don't know that yeah. stuff and the same thing it was the kind of similar thing with lloyd where we didn't know how he got into being a spy how he got into like why he is so dead set on like the uh, war not escalating anymore and now we finally got into that stuff so it's going to be really interesting to see if we get more into you yours character in the new year as well 
Totally um, agree. It's, there's, there's a, we're in good store for an awesome 2023 when it comes to this title. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, I think for me, I kind of talked about it when I talked about my new manga. And for me, my, the best protagonist was Akane Osaki. Um, who, that's her first, the first name she goes by, but then she takes on the name of Akane Arakawa for, for story reasons that I'm not going to spoil here. But um, I just really like the character because the one thing that uh, Sanuga and Mal did such a good job with presenting the characters that she is a cool character. Her design is like, uh, like j- just comes off as a cool character, but she is extremely likable at the same time. And right out of the gates, and like like I mentioned before when I was talking about the series, that what I, what I like is that she's a cool character. She is also talented, and but she's presented as someone that you could easily get behind. You get behind her backstory right away. Um, and you really do want to see her develop in the Rukugo world and achieve everything that she wants. And I think that's the key to any good series is that you want the characters to achieve, achieve what, what they're setting out to do. And she is a great example of how you create these type of characters. You don't need to create somebody that has to start while she is starting from the ground up. She isn't someone that like has to find that talent or has to find what what her specialty is she already knows she's coming in very confidently and she yeah. she knows who she like she knows who she is like going into the series like obviously she has some questions she has to develop um her skills and everything she and things like that like you would see with a typical uh show and jump protagonist but at the same time she is somebody that is coming in confidently and sometimes that could be off-putting for like a main character right away um, but they, I, I will have to give Sanuga and Mal a lot of credit for presenting a character that is this confident right away and treating them really well of like, she doesn't need to be a, a meek character like we get with so many Shonen Jump main characters. We get that mm-hmm. all the time of like, or like they're not, they're, they get introduced to this world that they weren't familiar with or, or used to yet. And they have to kind of stay temp, like even tempered or like, or they overreact to things. She's not like that. And I'm, I'm glad that we got a, a new main character like this. That is an, it good choice, Kevin. I'll, I like it. Yeah. You're, you're zigging when I think you're going to zag. I, <laughs> yeah. so I, I could pick a lot of characters because there's a lot of characters. Like you said, I, my other pick was going to be Sakamoto um, as well. Yeah. But I think <laughs> Akane really did stand out for me, especially as a new protagonist that came out, th- that debuted this year that, I was like, you know what? This is how you you treat these type of characters. That yeah. we don't need to get new characters that are like fresh face. It like it doesn't need to be just a typical fresh face that we get like from my hero or yeah. or Dragon Ball and stuff like that. Like I think you could go a different direction. This is a great example of like you could treat characters uh, differently. Like um, especially when it comes to like talented characters or or confident characters that are confident in themselves as well. Nice, I like it. Um, so we talked about protagonists. What, what would you say is the antagonist that stood out to you um, this year the most, Rock? I had to go with the biggest, baddest man around, and that would be Garu from One Punch Man. You don't get any nastier than this guy. Kevin, he's so bad. He's a human who becomes a monster. That's how bad this guy is. In the world of One Punch Man, that's not heard of. You got humans on one side, you got monsters on the other side. They don't mix, Kevin. They don't mix. Unless you're talking about my man Garo. He is so awesome. I don't want to, I don't want to spoil because I want people to read the manga and really enjoy the monster association arcs. I don't want to spoil any, but suffice to say, this guy 
is he's the kind of villain, Kevin, that is cool. He's like NWO. You know, he's Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Cool. You know what I mean? He's DX, crutch shopping his way to the to the ring. Cool. So even though he's a bad guy, he's cool. Even though he's a bad guy, you're probably still popping for him and cheering for him, okay? Let's be honest. And when he puts on the offense, you're still cheering for him, even though he's mowing through all the heroes because he's that kind of cool villain. But at the same time, he is so ruthless and so deadly that you're like, he's scary and he's got to be stopped. And he is, I mean, he's got to be one of the most OP villains I've ever come across. I mean, I know that My Hero Academia has some really powerful villains, but Garu puts them to shame. He's that OP, Kevin. Okay, he's just awesome. He looks cool. He talks cool. He's scary. He's awe-inspiring. He's everything you want in a villain. He's seemingly unstoppable. So you're like, even, which is important, especially when you're dealing with a hero like Saitama, right? Because he's pretty OP himself. He's such a good villain that you're you're like, I don't even think Saitama's going to stop this guy. He's that good of a villain. He just got a great look. He's got a phenomenal power set. Basically, Kevin, he can take everything you can do and learn it in a second and do it better. Okay? Hard to beat a guy like that, isn't it? So, it, it, it and there's another layer. I don't want to get into it, but there's another layer to him that you find out at near the final fight that's even more insane. But that's basically his power set to begin with, and which makes him almost unstoppable because you start to fight him and he learns what you do and he can do it better than you and then you're dead, right? And he moves mm-hmm. on to the next person. And he keeps that power. He, he never loses that power. Now he's it's just added to his arsenal of powers. So, it's... He's a great villain. He's super exciting. And he's one of the villains that you, you, you don't see a lot of in stories. At least, yeah, I don't know. You don't see a lot of in that he wins, Kevin. And he wins constantly. Mm-hmm. He wins all the time. And you don't see that a lot with villains. You know, often, even if they're very strong, they don't win a lot. That's kind of that's kind of mm-hmm. common. Not so much with Garo. The dude wins. He wins all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and on that, for, for me, I think the, the villain that stood out for me in my selection would be all for one. Uh, or Yeah, it would be all for one uh, from my, my Hero Academia. I, I think what I love about all for one, especially this year, was that Horikoshi knows that the character does not have a redeeming quality whatsoever and make sure to treat him that way because right. the character is pure evil. And that and I like that because I think yeah, especially yeah. nowadays we don't get that very often with our antagonists anymore. Agreed. Um, there always has to be some sort of redeeming quality to the villain, or so that you understand them. Because yes. um, we we've kind of fallen into that trapping of like there has to be something that ties the the reader or the watcher to the the villain that you're like, okay, th- this character has good motivations that I understand why their motivation is. All for one is not like that. He does not have a redeeming quality whatsoever. And while you get his perspective, you you don't yeah. relate to it. You don't understand why he would do it, why he would be motivated this way, because right. he is so evil in that yeah. way that you're like, I want him to get defeated by the bad and the good guys. I want yeah. him you because we already kind of got that with Tomoro Shigaraki, and I, that's why I kind of like the Tomoro Shigaraki is mm-hmm. that kind of re- redeemable villain in terms of that he has that backstory where you're like yes. 
oh, I understand why he is became a villain, why he did that. So we yeah. already got that villain. I think Horikoshi understands. I, I got Shirogaki for that reason. Mm-hmm. But with all for one, I could go just all in and just be like, this character is unredeemable. Yeah. This yeah. character is not relatable whatsoever. There's zero aspect where you're, I'm going to have the reader understand why he is doing the things that he's doing. You don't understand what he's doing. And you don't understand why he is manipulating everybody why he is so even like the most recent chapter chapter we ended on he is so into the chaos of that he's creating and he's like i love this and i i love like when you have like himiko come out with the twice um clones and everything he he just looks at that he's just like i've created so much chaos i love this and now i'm just gonna leave and like he, he he tries to bounce out and and so I think Horikoshi just knows what he has with, with All for One. And I, I really like that we got this type of antagonist, especially in 2022, where we don't really get that type of antagonist anymore. I totally agree. All for One is a fantastic choice for a villain. He probably would have been my alternate choice, Kevin. Yeah. And All for One, because he is fantastic. I like him for the same reasons you like him, Kevin. I am sick and tired of being told how I need to sympathize with the villain, how I need to understand the villain, how I need to be explained to why he's the, why they do it. No, you know what? I don't want to sympathize with the villain anymore. I'm done with it. All for one is awful. He's evil. He is a sadistic bastard. You don't like him. You don't want to like him. You're not sympathetic. You just want to see him get beat and beat bad. And that's great. It's a breath of fresh air. I like this as a villain. Yeah, especially when you got a world where you do have already the villain group, like almost right. all of them do have that. Where you had right. twice, where we had twice, we had Dobby, we had Tomoshiguraki and Himiko. They all have kind of things you understand. While they're evil and they're villains, you do have characteristics that you're like, oh, I understand why you're like this. That's right. And That's right. so you and I like that Horikoshi understands that going into this, and he's like, at the same time, kind of like I have with All Might, where All Might is this ultimate good, kind of like Superman. Right. I need this ultimate evil that is yeah. unredeemable and like so and completely the contradictory part of that. And I like that yeah. awful one re- represents that opposite of what all might represented in this world. And like he just even dug more into that in 2022 of like, yeah, I'm just going to go all in on it. And even though, like I said, the final chapter of 2022, that's what the character even like revels in, like the chaos yeah. that he created. And I, I like that. That's how we ended the year. It's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally with you. That's a great choice. Yeah. So, and then uh, before we get into our best overall manga, what was the story arc that you would say was the best for this year? And what we're going to do with this is a story arc that actually completed it. Might so we're not going to pick anyone that's ongoing right now because um, I don't feel like that would be fair to oh. the story arc that we got completed. I want to do highlight the story arcs that were finished up this year. So, what story arc that wrapped up this year that you thought was the best rock? Again. This is not going to surprise anyone so far in this podcast. You should see this answer coming from a mile away. If you've been listening to me so far, it's going to be the Monster Association arc in One Punch Man. It's phenomenal. Kevin, you're talking about an almost 100 chapter arc. That's right. It's actually about 92 chapter arc. That's a beast, Kevin. That is a beast. And the best thing about it, it takes place over the course of like maybe, I don't know, 30 minutes. I mean, it's... (laughs) Okay, it's so like, it's it's very much uh, Dragon Ball in that way, huh? Yes, 
absolutely absolutely it's very much like dragon ball it's also very much like my beloved kinikamon where one wrestling match kevin could take like 40 chapters even though it's only a 15 minute you know a 15 minute limit to the match yet it's 40 chapters long it's ridiculous it's fantastic though kevin you spent 90 plus chapters in this battle of the monster association arc it is awesome our heroes attack the monster association their headquarters you get the a-list the class s heroes those are the top ones right kevin the top heroes going against the biggest baddest demon drag sorry the dragon uh level monsters the biggest of the baddest of the bad and they get it on and it all culminates of course with a knockdown drag out fight between garu and saitama it, it's and there's some other surprising twists here and there as well you you got a it's 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 legion of superheroes esque level cast of characters kevin i thought maybe paul levitz had uh had uh had had been working under a pen name and it was really one because i've not seen a writer since paul levitz handle such a massive roster of characters and that's what i love so much about the monster association arc is one does handle a sick number of of characters and he does it with ease he's able to shift back and forth between the various fights and the various group of heroes it's a massive roster of characters and he's never shirks away from it and that's really as we all learned who read american comics very hard to do that and one does it with total ease i mean it's 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 not since Levitz's Legion, Kevin. I'm dead serious. That I've seen a writer handle a roster of characters like this so easily and so seamlessly. The way you shift between all the various battles of all the various groups, it's just it's really masterful. It's impressive, and of course, as I said before, the art insane, bonkers nuts art. It has everything, Kevin, that I look for in a story between the the, the roster of characters, the fighting, the the art. It's just. It, it just went on and on and on in a good way, though. You didn't want this arc to end, Kevin. I, I was wondering how long it's going to keep it going. It was just amazing. <laughs> it really was incredible. Um, yeah. So that that's my pick. That's my pick right there. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to kind of go a little bit opposite of you in terms of length. Is it's it's still long for for this series, but it's not long for compared to the hundred chapters. Um, <laughs> it's going to be the Spy, Spy X Family Weiss, Weiss arc, which is yeah. You kind of already talked about a rock uh, with, with Lloyd Forger's character of like going into his backstory, and um, I'm not going to re- repeat our our points already that we already repeated with Lloyd Forger's arc, but uh, I'm going to just say that I really like that we dove into his character, dove into his backstory, dove into why. He started the story, the series off as somebody that kind of locked locked up his heart, and we get we we get into why that is and why, even with, with the interactions that he has with Yor and Anya, why all these feelings that he is having is are so foreign to him, um, and we we get into why that is and why, like, unlocking his own heart is a very difficult thing for him to do, and why he doesn't recognize these feelings, why he, like, when other characters point out. When other characters, like in the past, have pointed out, and even in the future, point out, oh yeah, you're kind of getting a tie to them. He's like, that's not true, and he's the only one that doesn't believe it because he doesn't know that why that why everybody else thinks that way. Um, and I think we dove into like the reasoning behind Lloyd's character so well, and I think Endo did a really good job, just again giving us a a backstory that you fully believe in. That's a fantastic choice. I love it, Kevin. I yeah, love it. So. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, all right. So rock, we talked about our, all these uh, different manga and um, characters and all that stuff. But for you, what was the best overall manga of the year? God, it doesn't get any easier. These choices, Kevin, do that. <laughs> right. I just want to give it to so many different, different manga. Um, God, I, it was a tough choice. I went in the end, Kevin, I went with Spy X Family. I went with Spy X Family. I think it start that manga started off 2022 with what you just said. And I would agree uh, with what you thought was the best story arc of the year. And I would agree it it, it is definitely one of the best story arcs of the year. The wise, um, the wise arc. That's how 2022 started for Spy X Family. And that was that alone was phenomenal, but it followed it up with the friendship scheme arc that had your having to be to enter the high society world of the rich and the famous wives of all the big power players. Um, and in in uh in Austania, and she had to become friends with with the the wife of um their target, you know, D- D- Damien. Um, uh, Damien's mom, right? She had to become friends with her. Yor did, and it was it's interesting because Yor is such a sweet character, and she's in this uncomfortable, rich, snobby kind of world that is just runs counter to Yor's sweet, adorable nature. Um, you had that. I thought it was awesome. Then you had uh, after that for this year. We had the Red Circus arc that I thought was um, has been very entertaining as well. That's what we're currently in the middle of, uh, you know, so we're right, right in the middle of that arc and it's a little more action forward. It's just been a really good year for Spike's family. I've I, it like I said before, your Lloyd, Anya, all of them are just shining so bright in the second year of this title. I, I just feel like we're hitting a whole new level with the characters that we have in this uh, Forger family. Yeah. And I think it's a series that kind of just brings a smile to your face. Whenever you see that there's a new chapter coming out, like mm-hmm. obviously you get happy whenever a new chapter for any manga comes out. But I think Spikes and I has that special quality where like, even while you're reading it, you get really so invested in that kind of just puts a smile on your face when, when, when you're reading it, that, oh man, I, I'm glad that I'm experiencing this world. Um, and, and Melinda Desmond. Yeah. That's yeah. the name of the moms. I just name was because Donovan <laughs> Desmond is the target, right? He's yeah. the big politician. It's yeah. Melinda, Melinda Desmond that she, ha- that your has to yeah. befriend. Yeah. And the timing really works for Al because that's how kind of we ended the first season of the anime too. So um, yeah, yes, we're right, introducing right, yeah. uh, to the Desmond character, like the dad. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, for, for me, I think I kind of talked about this when I talked about best writer, but it's going to be Sakamoto days for me. I think Sakamoto yeah. days had the best second year you can have for, or for manga and not just the best second year, but just a year overall that you could have. Cause I, like we started digging into, uh, longer story arcs. We, and then, like I mentioned before, where, uh, Suzuki could go, go chapters on chapters without the main characters. And he showed that he has created such a interesting world and set of characters with the order with like even the antagonist that he has um, introduced as well, that 
I don't need my main characters to drive the story. I could have all these side what are traditionally side characters as the lead characters for for several chapters on end, and it'll be just as good. And I think that's a really sign of great writer and great manga, great just story overall that you can go chapters on end. So that means that you go months on end sometimes without your lead characters and you're totally fine with that. And I think that just shows the strength of a series when you could have that type of story storytelling where, like I said, Sakamoto, he's great whenever he appears, whenever he has his fights, whenever he has his uh, silly moments and all that stuff. But I think the strength of the series is that you can go chapters on end without, without the, your lead characters or like your, your main roster of characters that we, we developed so much in the first year. And we got into like more of the, like I said, the order um, set of characters and this year. And I, and he did a fantastic job set it, setting it up where I'm just like, give me a spinoff of just the order. Like, I would love that of oh, like yeah. where he does, where he does just a writer and he gets another artist to do it for him. And I, I would totally buy into that as well. Um, yeah. And I, I think that that just is a sign of an, a fantastic series overall that you can't have that type of storytelling done and you don't like i said you don't miss the main lead character yeah yeah no totally agree second one of days it's been phenomenal this year that is a is a fantastic choice yeah so i think again that's going to be our last topic again rock i know this was a difficult one because we have to pick (laughs) through so many babies and i'm going to have you do that here in our next episode as well when we're going to probably make it even harder for you with talking about anime so um (laughs) But yeah, so thank you again for joining me on this episode. And um, and if you want to catch more of our picks for not just best manga, but also best anime and best comic books, we, you could check that over at ConquerRevolution.com where Rock and I collaborated on a lot of those where we went over our top tens. Um, so we did it very differently from this podcast. So if you want to see what other series we enjoyed, whether whether it's comic books, anime or manga, check it out there. We have a, you could just search best best of 2022 we have it all put together in one little tag there on the website so check make sure to check out all our lists because we did some some surprising picks as well that might might surprise some some people that are on those top 10 so um check that out there but otherwise rock hopefully thank you for joining me on the our first podcast of the year and we're going to be back soon with our best anime